This podcast was brought to you by Business Radio, powered by Wharton, originally airing on Sirius XM. We have with us an expert who knows everything about retail from start to finish for a long, long career. We're really, really lucky to have with us today Steve Sadoff, who's currently a MasterCard senior advisor, but he had a long career in retail. Most most recently, he was the former CEO and chairman of Saks um, and was there during the heyday of Saks. And he's Since then, he went into his own consulting firm, and he's really been on top of the trends in retail. So I can't think of a better person to speak with to answer all your questions, Americus, than Steve Sadoff. Hello, Steve. Hi, guys, and it's an honor to be speaking with you today. I've admired your work for years, so it's uh, great fun to be on with you. So tell us, why don't you just give us, let's start with a general, and then we'll we'll do top of the funnel, we could go down to the more precise bottom of the funnel kind of stuff. But what's your general reflection? You know, a lot of people are making prognosis about what's happened, what's going to happen, but you have a really great background, even more than I thought of. I didn't know you were on all those boards. So what are you seeing um, about retail? Tell. What are your predictions? What What's your hypothesis? Well, I think you got to start at 100,000 feet in terms of where's the consumer and what's going on. And in, go back to March in the beginning of the pandemic, and you saw an environment where retail sales and aggregate, if you look at the MasterCard spending pulse numbers, and that's a great gauge of retail, was down somewhere in the 12% range in terms of overall consumer spending. And that's everything ex-auto. And I was worried about where the world was going, what was going to be the consumer state. You knew that they were staying at home and they were shopping online and stores were closed. And the consumer is resilient and they rebounded much more quickly than I would have ever thought. By May, June, they were down in that, let's call it 5% range. By mid-summer, they were flat. And then by fall, you were starting to see growth again. So by September, you were growing year on year about 5%. Uh, consumption, and you've seen that continued growth through the uh, fall season. So you have a resilient consumer. It's clearly different, fundamentally different than it was before, with digital, mobile, online being the cornerstone. So everything is being driven by that. Internet sales, uh, e-commerce was, let's call it 12% of commerce, is now 20% of commerce. So digital drives it. But the companies that were either related to safety that were open during the beginning of the pandemic, the big box stores, clearly they were winners. And then you then you have uh, the issue of what people were buying and they were at home, they were nesting. So they shifted their behavior from buying all kinds of fashion apparel into athleisure, sweatpants, sweatsuits, and then they started fixing their homes up. So while you saw a healthy consumer, let's call it in September growing at and we can talk about the holiday season. But the difference was that they're now spending it differently and they want it to be safe. So contactless, touchless, uh, buy online, pick up in the store, getting it. We're getting Amazon boxes every day. Uh, I mean, it's a totally different behavior that the consumer had. And it probably accelerated in seven months, seven years worth of change. And that's the way I would think about it. The underlying momentum was always there towards shifting to digital. The companies that were unhealthy continue to be unhealthy, and you saw a massive number of bankruptcies and store closures. You probably had a, a hundred, more than 100,000 store closures already this year. So it's a disruption, it's change, but in many ways, it's an acceleration of where the consumer was already going. 
Yeah, so so we're seeing an acceleration to digital, but that doesn't necessarily mean say goodbye to physical. It's you know more of an omni-channel type of experience, I bet you would predict, um, and a shift in what people are spending. I saw those numbers from the NRF also. I think I don't know where your numbers came from, but they were also there's similar numbers from the NRF, which is showing the season overall is like up at least two to five percent most of it in digital but not a hundred percent yeah no if you take your comment in terms of when i said 20 percent of commerce is digital that means 80 percent is still in a physical store so anybody who says stores are going away they're kidding themselves because it's about the consumer wants it however they want to get it and in store is critical now if you talk about the holiday season when i said we're starting to see growth in the fall the MasterCard Spending Pulse numbers called for a holiday forecast of about 2.4% growth with digital much, much faster. Well, it looks like based upon October, which grew at 4%, and November, which grew at 3%, uh, I'm expecting that we're going to probably exceed that 2.4% growth, which is showing that there is an encouraging healthy consumer. And the digital numbers for October and November are in the 50% plus growth. When you're so saying growth, is that month over month or year over no, year? No, that's year over year. I look at it year over year. A lot of okay. people are just looking at the month over month. I like looking at year over year. So what's your prediction for what's going to happen in luxury? Is luxury pivoting into home um, or, or what do we see with luxury? What are we going to buy at luxury? Oh, I think you're going to see a resi- just as the consumer's resilient, luxury is going to be resilient and it will come back. Fashion will come back. People are already, uh, they're so pent up in terms of being stuck inside in COVID uh, quarantine that they can't wait to go. You've already seen early bookings for, if I look at some of the early bookings six months out, for example, for travel, people want to travel. Right. I had to book a, a wedding site. My daughters, my youngest daughters uh, just got engaged. She's trying to look at wedding venues and Two years from now, they're already booking them up. And people are going to have to dress for all of these types of occasions. So yeah, I fun. think that luxury will be uh, will be different. I think that you're going to see a lot more folks. If you look at the younger consumer, they're very focused on sustainability. They're mm. focused on uh, the charitable uh, gifting, the brand values. Uh, America's, you teach about brands. I yes. think the brand values and mm. what they stand for are important. That's going to mm-hmm. be important. And not just the luxury sector, but in all sectors. So that's why I see you have a changing consumer and it's no longer just the West Coast, East Coast and the young consumer driving it. Because we've been in this Zoom world, all the attitudes are shifting across all of the segments. Interesting, let me ask, let me build on that a little bit, uh, Steve, because I think you raise a really interesting point here. And that is you were, you were contrasting the 2008 recession to what's going on right now. And it, it's, I think one of the big differences, I want your commentary on this. One of the big differences uh, is back in 2008, there was kind of the economic recession. Uh, right now, we've got an economic recession and almost a psychological recession is exactly what you just said, which is people cooped up. And so what I've been reading about is how consumer behavior is shifting as a function of this. And one of the things that I thought was interesting, and i get your take on this as well, Barbara, is that a lot of the purchases in the beauty, this related to the luxury market in the beauty care space are there, but now being kind of narratively reframed by consumers is like the self-care need, as opposed to let's say, you know, kind of the typical, you know, superficial kind of let's put on a face, a good face to get out there and, and kind of an impression management argument. So are you noticing other kinds of psychological shifts uh, in the underlying kind of consumer behavior? And how is that also affecting what you're what you're seeing out there, Steve? 
Barbara, you want to start it? I mean, I'll jump in if you want it. I mean, I think yeah, that this I'm move curious. towards- I have an opinion too, go. Yeah, I think that this shift towards whether it's sustainability, health and wellness, better for you. Uh, I think one of the MasterCard uh, data points, which is fascinating, is they surveyed separate from just the consumption data. They also survey consumers. And the survey data would tell you that consumers are more interested in local. They're interested in craft and in uh, companies that are doing good and are in their local community. So all of that is playing itself out. So if I, why do you see the growth of the Etsy's of the world? The, uh, you know, mm-hmm. Shopify uh, in some, some ways levels the pet playing field so that the small guy can now easily set up their own shop. So I think that all of these are trends that are gonna play itself out so that it's gonna be much easier to get into the marketplace with a lot of these new new emerging luxury, better for you, wellness driven, clean, uh, clean beauty, all things like that in many categories. Interesting. And I wanna switch gears a little bit in a few minutes we have left. To, to, and I don't know, you know, if you're comfortable talking about this, so if it doesn't work, we'll switch again. But I was curious to know if you have any thoughts about you know, real estate and where all of that's going to go. And one of the things I was thinking about, and you know much more about this than I do, but like I think the leases for some of these stores used to be very long-term leases. I don't know if they're renegotiating. I don't know if you're familiar with what's going on in shorter-term leases or if you have any thoughts about what's going to happen to mall real estate and anything like that. Oh, sure. Sure, I'm in the middle of all of that. You know, I think that (laughs) you're having a... A fundamental reset, you know, right now you have 1,200 malls in the United States. You're probably going to see 25% of them go away in the next few years. Uh, you're seeing a lot of bankruptcies. You're, you're seeing new models emerge where you uh, see companies like Simon and Brookfield partnering with ABG to take over brands so that they can survive in a mall. Rents are going to be reset. If, they, if you have a rent that's coming due, remember, you had a lot of things like co-tenancies. That means that when a JCPenney or a Macy's went out of a mall, then it allowed the uh, brands within the mall to get out of the mall. So, and when you have 30, 40% vacancy rates in Madison Avenue or Soho, you're going to ultimately see a reset in rents. So it's not that store, remember 80, again, 80% of retail is done in a physical store. So stores are going to be around, but you're going to see a reset in rents. If you're stuck with a long-term lease, you're in trouble. And that's why part of the reason you see bankruptcies is so that you can get a reset on the rents. I think there's going to be a natural reduction in the amount of term on rents, on leases. You're going to see lower rents. Pop-up shops continue to accelerate. And it's again, it's going to be a new model where you're going to see new kinds of shopping centers be built, where it's live, work, and play all together. Mm-hmm. All of these are going to be emerging, but people love getting out. I think that some of these open-air centers that People like uh, Caruso do on the West Coast are really fascinating. And uh, uh, I think that you're going to see more of that kind of thing. Uh, This has been so fascinating, Steve. We could talk about this forever. Thank you so much for joining us today. Happy to. For more insight from Business Radio, please visit businessradio.wharton.upenn.edu. 